0: What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well, my friends. Very excited with today's episode with my guest, Melissa J. Vogel, who is a high performance coach, author, and speaker who has arguably one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard in my life. Like, I don't even want to spoil it for you right now, but I'm gonna tell you this: like sitting here listening, to her being able to have this conversation today was like, I just had so many holy shit. Like I cannot believe that happened to you moments that it was just i, I I'm, I'm actually speechless i'm never speechless you guys know how i am i fucking do this for a living and i'm always talking always coaching always doing podcasts but i just was like wow if you can overcome that my audience the unbroken nation i need to hear this as a reminder of that, no matter what we come from and what we've been through or where it is that we are today, that we can still create and build the life that we want to have tomorrow, despite near death, despite poverty and homelessness, despite not being educated, de- despite surgeries and, and medical interventions, despite all of the chaos of the world, all of the things that we may go through, all of the hurt, the suffering, the pain that we can still create and build the life that we want to have. And this conversation was beautiful and powerful. I I felt so much like my hope in today is that you will hear this and feel inspired and motivated and find the drive and willingness to continue to persevere through the struggle through the the parts of life that feel insurmountable and to say no fuck that i'm going to be the hero of my own story and i to be honest i don't think i've had anyone on the show who encapsulates that in the same way that mj does i'm very excited to share this episode with you unbroken nation and without further ado let's get into the show Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be Dot thinkunbroken.com That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show. But before we do, I'm going to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken man, a man's guide to being the hero of their own story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, Removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com, where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six week in depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man. And I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com to pre-order. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend, Melissa J. Vogel, who is an author, high performance coach, and speaker. Melissa, my friend, what is happening in your world today?
2: What is up? Good morning. Pleasure to be on here, Michael. Thank you so much. And same as always for today, getting after it, you know, working, grinding every day. So it's been a crazy day, but it's going to keep going.
0: I love it. I, you know, for those who don't know, this is Saturday morning, we're getting it. And you know, the thing I always try to tell people is like, you're building your life, you got to build your life every single day. And so Mm -hmm. mad respect to you for being here with me today. For those who don't know you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today.
2: Yeah, I've got a pretty unique backstory. So I came from extreme poverty. Um, Neither one of my parents at the time had graduated high school. Um, There was a lot of challenges, a lot of substances and stuff like that. And I was self-educated from the age nine up. The last thing that I was formally taught in my homeschooling was how to multiply fractions. And then from there on out, from the age nine to about 14, 15, I just educated myself with a six-year-old GED book. And was failing terribly at trying to do that. And eventually it just kind of hit a pivotal moment where I realized, okay, like this world is not going to be handed to me. I've got an opportunity to make something great out of this or I could be a victim. And that came from a very that realization came from a really close life or death situation in which I had overdosed on diet pills on a two week long fast um, from anorexia. And it was that moment that I realized, okay, I need to make something out of this. Okay, I'm still alive. What am I going to do? And what am I going to do with what I've been through in my life? Because I'm not the only person that's been through adversity. So that was one of the big pivotal moments that changed everything. That was one of the big pivotal moments in which I realized my purpose, my mission statement that helped me get through everything and work up to four jobs and put myself through college while still having consistent migraines that we couldn't figure out to be able to build my first business and then get 12 surgeries back to back, including brain surgery while sustaining myself as much as possible economically with the business that I built after graduating from college. So it's been a very difficult and long journey, but how I did it and how I got to where I'm out today is habit implementation systems, building the new version of myself and having a mission that is bigger than I am to chase my potential regardless to the adversities.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and I actually resonate with you about that a lot. I, I know you and I don't know each other greatly, but you know, I, I grew up deeply impoverished, homeless as a kid, stealing food to survive, drug addict, alcoholic parents, didn't graduate high school. I mean, like we're we're speaking the same language over here. And and I think unfortunately it's more common than, than we care to admit. And you have this entire society and this culture of people who are growing up in the ways that we grow up. And and I fear, MJ, that people look at people like us and they go oh they know something i don't know they're special and i always think to myself i'm really not i'm just like unbelievably fucking determined to like create the life that i want to have as you were going through all of this in your youth trying to figure out what's next trying to figure out how to educate yourself build your life like like what was it in those moments that you used as leverage to continue to persevere
2: so that was, in my mind, a mission statement. So I'm a big Grant Cardone fan, and I saw that you guys were just um, at an event together, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes by him is he says, creativity follows commitment. So the big thing that I followed, the big thing that was that leverage was the mission statement. So when I did that overdose, I did not intentionally try to take it that far. I was just more of an apathetic, Yeah, if it happens, it happens, I don't really care. And then life flashes in front of your eyes, like that sounds absorbently cliche, but it really does. And I started realizing, I started asking myself, okay, what is my obituary going to say? If I follow through with this and this is the end of my legacy, what does that tell other people that have been through something? that they should do as well. If somebody has been in the same situation, if somebody else has been told by whoever it may be that their life is pointless, that they're useless, that they're going to die alone or whatever it may be, and having their life threatened, if I follow through with that action, what does that mean? And then I slowly came to this realization that the legacy that I would be leaving if I opted out of life that way would be one of telling people they should believe the words that are suppressing them. So at that moment, I beg God, source power, whatever you want to call it. And I said, God, if you let me live through this, I promise you I'm going to be the best version of myself for myself. I'm going to show people that they can do anything that they put their minds to regardless of other people's opinions, limitations or oppressions, and that hurt people hurt people and that doesn't make them right. Because that's the problem when it comes to adversity. A lot of people think that they're the only ones hurting, and they make it so everybody else hurts. Not understanding that everybody's hurting. In order to break through that cycle, you have to make a different decision for yourself. So every single time that life would hit me, when I literally five months later got hit by a truck and broke my collarbone and dislocated my shoulder and worked left-handed for a decade, I remembered that mission statement. When I got diagnosed with an incurable neurological disorder, I tapped into that mission statement. When I was going and working literally two jobs while while riding my bike to as many those two GED classes that I could take at night before I went and take my test, that's what I would tap into. That, in my mind, is the biggest anchor that a person can have in life that they can pull into that will allow them to get the creativity that they need to move their life forward.
0: Yeah. And, and I feel that so many people and I, and this is my history too, right? I felt so stuck at one point, you know, looking at my life in my mid twenties, complete rock bottom could not have had a worse experience of those years, other than if I would have killed somebody, like I really think about that because of the chaos of the, of the life I was living. Yeah. And at, at one point I, I literally, I went and looked in the mirror and I made a decision. And I thought to myself, like, this is what it has to be, because if not, I'm going to die. Like, yeah. like I knew it was on the way the, between the drugs, the alcohol, the crazy experiences that I had, like death was inevitable. And, yeah. and I think that what happened is I, I distinctly remember being like, all right, I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do, but I feel like I'm meant to do something great. Right. As yeah. a kid, I always. I always thought to myself i want to be fucking jay-z or the foo fighters like that's all I, like i wanted to be a rock star and i was like why am i not doing this why am i not living into this and it's to your point it's those those thoughts that other people embed in us about who we should be those words those ideas for people who are hearing this and they're like man i get this but i'm like stuck right here my life feels like it's not going to go forward i cannot seem to get any momentum Where do you start in that process?
2: Nine times out of 10, somebody that doesn't get started or chase their goals and dreams. It's not about the goal or the dream. It's not about the adversities. It's not about the setbacks. It's nine times out of 10, absorbently, like everything's mental. And all of us do it to some extent where we self-defeat, where we don't think we're worthy, where we think that we're not deserving of it. So for people that have that, I would encourage them to go through... And write down just the mental things that they're saying to themselves and then ask themselves, is this true or is it just a little bit true or is it completely bullshit? Because nine times out of 10, scientifically, your human brain, the human brain can only perceive 1% of reality, 1% of reality. So that means... That you may be sitting there perceiving something that you think is absorbently true, but it's not. It also means that you may just be focusing on one thing, one BS thing that somebody told you, and you can't see everything else that's happening in the world, other opportunities, other possibilities, other dreams, other visions, until you go through and debunk what has been told to you. And that takes a lot of raw, real analyzation as to where you're at, where you've been, and who you are. So I would tell people, take a list of the things that you're saying to yourself, ask yourself if they're true, get accountable with yourself if they are and change them if you don't like it, ask if they're a little bit true or if they're completely bullshit and then dismiss them and make sure that you prove to yourself that they're not true. It takes you out of your emotions and puts you into an analytical mindset and that's where transformation happens.
0: Yeah, I love that. I was was listening to Jordan Peterson recently and he said, the best thing you can do is go sit on your bed in silence and come to meaning about the things and the areas in your life in which you need to work at. Mm -hmm. Because those are the things that need your attention, but you have to be willing to face the truth. And you know, I've played the victim, I've seen thousands of people that I've coached around the world play the victim. And it's really truly not until that moment of acknowledgement that it comes to pass that you're able to step into who you truly are. But even with this MJF fear that people will hear this and they'll write this down they'll look at it and instead of doing something they'll dive deeper into victimhood
2: yeah well i would just tell people to ask themselves what benefit do you get out of victimhood like we're all a victim of something nine times in a tent well not nine times every single person is a victim of something but what benefit do you get in maintaining being a victim just because something happened to you and you were a victim of a circumstance does not mean that you need to maintain being a victim moving forward so it's a matter of making a decision. Are you going to be a victim of it or are you going to make something out of it? And in my mind, that's the definition of success. That's a responsibility as a human on this planet is to take what you've been through and try to make something beautiful for the next generation, your neighbor, your cousin, whoever it may be. What are you going to make out of what you've been through? Are you going to make more hurt or you, by being a victim or are you going to make something great out of it? You can't have both. So I think it comes down to an intentionality and an understanding that there is a time and a place to be a victim. There, There is. Like, for instance, when I got diagnosed with Chiari malformation, the neurological condition, after working four jobs and putting myself through college and building a business, I had a pity party for about a year maybe a year and a half. They said, hey, we can't fix this. We can only do brain surgeries as treatment for you. And most likely you're probably going to have to get more. And also people die spontaneously from this and we're terrified to operate on you because there was a 19 year old girl we just did the surgery on with a brand new baby that did not make it. So I was a victim in that circumstance, yes. And I had to give myself that time to really process my emotions and cope with it versus just sitting there and trying to put a bandaid over a bullet hole and not coping with those emotions However, that victimhood time frame is way overlasted a lot of times. And a lot of times we do not make a decision to make something out of it. And we maintain being hurt and therefore unconsciously bleeding on everybody else and hurting them.
0: I'm sitting with that because it, it brings to mind these moments in time in my own experience and, and many people I've seen in which like you have this. For lack of a better way to phrase it, this like coming to Jesus moment, right? Where you're like, oh, shit, hold on a second. What is happening here? For you coming through that, like, what did that look like? I, I would love if you would paint a picture of really kind of the next phase in this journey for you, going from that mindset of victim into what was next because there's that transition period, right? And I look at mine, it was three fucking years for yeah. me three years. So I'd love for you to talk about what that was like and the shift that happened in the journey for you.
2: Yeah. So let's see. So more backstory on this, just to give the audience some more context. So at the age of 25, that was when I quit my last freaking night job. I worked up to four jobs, putting myself through college while building a business because that was the only way I can do it. Um, I'm a big fan of NF and he has a song called, um, options and it says, I got to make it or make it. These are the options. And I finally thought I made it. I finally thought that I made it. And literally three months later, after buying the dream house and the dream car, which I came from a very humble beginning. So that was not like a gigantic car or a gigantic house. But I finally thought that I made it. Three months later, I was interviewing neurosurgeons. Couldn't remember how to get home. I'm right-handed. I couldn't open my hand all the way because of nerve damage. My right foot was literally curling up and I was walking with a limp on it. And I can barely remember how to spell my name. And what they told me is, you have Chiari malformation. And for the audience, that's probably not super familiar about that because it's very rare. And also they are just starting to finally be able to properly treat it. There's about five Chiari specialists in the United States that truly, truly specialize it, or at least back then that was the case. Anyways, that means your brain doesn't physically fit in your skull and is beating into your skull every single time your heart beats. And I had a big, big pity party. I felt like a victim. I felt like I was cursed. I felt like everything was bullshit. I felt like everything that I worked for literally meant nothing. Like I literally felt like I was just getting laughed at by the universe. It was like, screw you, Melissa, you're cursed. And I felt like that for a long time. I felt like that basically for the majority of 2015. But every single day I would try to get up and I would try to act like I didn't feel that way. I tried to go back to who I used to be. I tried to sit there and be like, okay, like I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen. And that just makes it worse. Every single time, because I wasn't coping with the emotions and the fact that I felt like I was not fulfilling my potential. I wasn't working through and understanding that all of these surgeries, because I had to get 12 of them back to back, all of these surgeries were painful, but the most painful thing was knowing that I could die spontaneously and I gave up on my dreams. I wasn't confronting any of these emotions. And it wasn't until I started really, really going through and being like, okay, who you used to be doesn't exist anymore. You need to build the new version of yourself. That was the only pivotal moment that I could do something because every single morning I'd get up and try to act like I was who I used to be. And then I would black out and be bedridden for about two to three days because I was not able to even be up for more than three hours at a time. So that's what that transition looked like. It came to accepting and it came to seeing other people with the same condition I had dying spontaneously that would give every single damn second that they possibly could to have the three hours I had with my ability to stand upright. And what was I going to do with it? Was I going to just flush it down the drain and be a victim? Or was I going to make something out of it? And that acceptance phase, going through the emotions and seeing that there are other people going through the same thing I was, That was the big transformation in which I realized, okay, what am I gonna do with this adversity? What does it mean? I get to dictate what it means and everybody does.
0: What was it, so I wanna go into that. That's absolutely incredible. And I have that thought every single day where it's like, Yes, we go through these incredibly painful and tumultuous experiences. They they build us. They are a part of our our life, whether we like it or not. Most of the shit I'm yeah. like, I don't like it, right? But you know, it creates who you are. And I think about this every day. Like, you know, my mother cut my finger off when I was four years old, and I think every day I look down at my hand. I go, all right, I can allow this to dictate why I cannot succeed, yeah. or. I can choose to allow this to, as many people will say, turn my, my pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. What, what I think happens, has happened in my life is I will look at people and I will say, I recognize how much we have in common. And for some of us, we're going to make a decision to transform and some of us. We are not. And I think the hard reality about this, you know, coaching thousands of people, hundreds of podcasts, writing all these books, all the things I've done is I look at this and I go, there's still that small percentage of people who they're never going to heed any of this. They'll never take it. They'll never do anything. But my thought and thing that I challenge myself to every day is how do you give them that Anyway, like, how do you? So you know, the, because you know this, there are people who have been diagnosed with what you have, and the moment they find out, they give up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I get it. I get. Yeah. it. I got a gun in my mouth. I have given up. I've lived that life. Yeah. What do you say to people who are like, I just give up. I'm done.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I would just tell people that somebody's watching them, and I don't mean that in a creepy way. <laughs> what I mean by that is somebody's watching you and you are their reason for not giving up. Hmm. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that DM me regularly right now. And they tell me, Oh my God. And I don't mean to brag about myself. I'm very humbled. And I'm very honored. Every time that someone DMs me this, they're like, you're my hero. And when I tell them is one, I'm very humbled and honored to hear that, but you're someone else's hero too. Somebody's watching you. What are your decisions telling them? Because that's the thing. Like what I had to do is I had a man up, woman up, whatever it is you call it. But I had to realize that I was not fulfilling the mission statement that I came up with when I was 14 years old. I thought I was, in an outsider's perspective I was, but I was bitching out, I was feeling sorry for myself, I was holding back on the dreams that I wanted to do, and driving to go and get brain surgery, realizing that I did not fulfill that commitment was more painful than them opening up the back part of my skull and shaving off a slab of scar tissue, because I knew I bitched out. So I had to look in the mirror and realize, okay, people are watching me, but most importantly, I'm watching me, and I'm not fulfilling my commitment and my promise that I wanted to do with my life. It all comes down to self-accountability and realization that none of this is just about you. Now, we can't change everybody else's mind. We can't make them want to continue to fight. However, I would say that you can help them with finding that fight within themselves. And nine times out of ten, I've had a lot of people stick a finger in my face and tell me I couldn't do something. Every single time that I could possibly think of off the top of my head, it's because somebody else told them that it wasn't possible. And I go and I break that limitation, not in a way of, ha-ha, I told you so, and I'm the best person in the world by any means. I don't give a shit about that. I go and I break that limitation that someone puts on me so that they can get out of the mental prison that somebody put they themselves in and put them in. So that's contagious. That limitation and that negativity is contagious. If we can break through the adversity and model something great, that's contagious as well.
0: We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken trauma healing coaching program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real life time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah. I, I love what you said. There there are people watching and you have no idea the impact that you're making. Right. And, and sometimes it's literally just like showing up, like yeah. being in the room, doing the thing you said that you were going to do. You know, your your kids are watching, your friends are watching, your neighbors, are, your community, your church. It's like everybody sees. Right. And, and, and it may not seem that way. And, you know, we live in a weird society where people are like, oh, I'm going to go cry on Instagram and get attention. And I'm like, but why? Why do you yeah. do? That? What do you want? What is the impact that you want to have? Why are you not living fully? How do you create this life that you want to have and have the willingness to go for it? Because, you know, and I, I think you'll agree with this, like the struggle is guaranteed, but the success is not, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you look at this and you go through this journey and, you know, for those listening, can't see it. I've read every book that's behind you right now um, and can't hurt me as one that comes to mind. And I, I think I, I see and I read that book and, you know, part of me is like David Goggins is fucking crazy, like period. I know, I love it. right? <laughs> But I, but I think to myself, there's something so potent in all of the information laid out there, whether it's 10x rule or Elena's book or your book or you know five se- Mel's book, five second rule. And it's like there's so much information that we can take from all of these amazing people in the world that we can use to our advantage to be able to go and be that person of substance, be that leader, be the the ideal of the idea of the person that you thought you could be. And and I want people to here and no one understand like you know you're not alone in this shit we're all struggling like i will never sit here and be like i don't struggle to be the best version of myself every day but yeah. I, I think that's part of the game like it seems to me that without the the struggle and for lack of a better term because i don't have a better one the suffering of creating yourself you'll never be you
2: yeah, for sure. And I want to piggyback on what you said there. So David where I always get this backwards when I'm on camera, but anyway, I freaking have read that book probably at least 12 times. Every single year, I do a mental toughness challenge. And what that is, is basically I do something that scares the living shit out of myself. This has became an annual challenge of mine that I think our first year started was in 2017. And I do that, a lot of it, inspired by David, David Goggins' book. And what I realized by reading that book was multiple things, but one of them is this. After I had all of those surgeries back-to-back, back, so I had 12 of them back-to-back, back. after I started doing a habit a week and implementing that so I could build a new version of myself because I was blacking out every three hours hours i still lost everything economically i had to give my car up for repossession after all of that and i was so damn broke just so you guys understand okay just so you guys understand you may be watching this you'd be like oh well you know she has no idea what it's like to be broke i know what it's like to sleep on a floor with rats and mice i know what that's like and i know what it's like to sleep in a closet also as an adult i know what it's like to call the bank and say hey i need you to come and get my car and they show up to come and get it and they call me and they say melissa where is it at and i go well it's right there they're like no it's not well i got towed due to unpaid parking tickets i know what that's like and what i realized after all of that is i lost everything not just because of the circumstance i lost everything economically because i became a victim and i let my mindset get weak i was always focused on the end destination I no longer was realizing or embracing all the shit that I went through when I was younger, with sleeping with sleeping on the floor with the rats or all of the things that I saw or being self-educated. I lost all of that. And I got soft. And that's what I love about Doggins' material is he helps people with understanding that we need to maintain, being mentally strong and prepared. I think the saying goes that strong men build weak people that make hard times or whatever that may be. Like that, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but that's the truth in our lives. It's like a freaking roller coaster where we accomplish something and then we get weak and then we lose it all. And then we do it over and over again. I love that book because of that. And also to touch on what you said, I remember one of the podcasts that he did where he said that a publisher told him that nobody is going to resonate with that book. And what he said is everybody would resonate with that book you can throw a rock at somebody and you can hit them and they will have a similar background or similar feeling as you do if you are willing to break yourself down low enough to actually be real and not do all this fake bullshit you see on social media where everyone acts like their life is perfect
0: yeah Totally. I, I'm sitting here. I'm smirking uh, because I'm like, you and I are twins. I'm like, this. you're the most close person to my mindset I've met in a very, very long time. And, you know, it's funny, too. Maybe it's fucking serendipity. I've had repoed cars. I called the bank. They were like, we can't find your car. I I grew up sleeping with rats and roaches crawling all over me. Like, and it's, it's like, I, I wish, and I pray to God, like other people don't have to experience that, but it's, it's to say, like, I agree with you. There is something about, you have to take this radical control over your life and challenge yourself in ways that you never have if you ever want to tap into the potential that you actually do have and mm-hmm. and my greatest fear is that on my deathbed I will die with regret because I was scared to do something and yeah. And the truth is, like, that has driven me to be fucking fearless to yeah. say, I'm going to do it anyway. My my greatest superpower is the willingness to be publicly embarrassed because I don't care what people think about me. And I, I wish that more people would adapt and adopt that into their lives because yeah. the, the thing that is going to drive you to success is following your dreams and look, Mm -hmm. your dream might be like you want to be a world championship crocheter. Like, I don't know what the fuck your dream is, but it's like you have to go for it. And, and like you, you've said dreams multiple times in this conversation. And I'm just wondering like, what are your dreams? What is, what does your future look like MJ?
2: So I want to be the female Tony Robbins is one thing that I say regularly. I want to be able to help people economically with maintaining and creating massive success and wealth. Um, And I've done that. I've worked with some of the top Fortune 500 companies in the world. I've consulted them. And I'm also doing four mental toughness challenges this year. Every year I do one that scares the shit out of me, obviously personally inspired by the can't hurt me book. The one of the four that I'm doing this year is I am doing a zero to six figure business from ground zero inspired by undercover billionaire. Um, obviously I'm a big Brent Cardone fan and I watched that and I was like, if I fucking love this. I'm going to do it. Um, I want to show people that they can create financial success and happiness and abundance out of every single aspect of their life if they want to. And I also want to inspire people to get rid of the shame that they feel about what they've been through. because I think that's what holds a lot of people back is they try to sweep all this crap underneath the rugs and act like their life is perfect. And they have shame with things that they should not have shame with. So it reduces the vulnerability, authenticity, and their impact on other people. So that's those are some of my goals and dreams. But the big thing that I want is I want, when I die, I want to have no regrets. People wonder why I work so damn hard. With this condition, even after brain surgery, I can die spontaneously. It's not really high statistically possible, but it's higher than, you know, if you didn't have it potentially because you have brainstem suppression. So basically, your brainstem controls everything in your body and you put pressure on that. You can have a spontaneous stroke or whatever it may be. It happens pretty consistently. I've seen a lot of my friends that have this condition that just die spontaneously. One of them that was that big pivotal moment for me was a 17-year-old gal right when I was having poopy pants, to quote David Goggins, and feeling sorry for myself. Um, She was a 17-year-old girl graduating high school early, already had the same surgery I did, was um, feeling off. Something was wrong. It was a couple years later, I believe, after her surgery, and she graduated and then didn't wake up the next day. So that is very real for all of us, chronic illness or not, it doesn't matter. And I just realized, okay, like we can all die tomorrow. What are we going to do? What do we want that legacy to be? So I want to die with no regrets because I know what it feels like to know you could die when I got all those damn surgeries that could kill me when I was doing them. Some of them I was awake during like when I die, I don't want to have any damn regrets. I do not want to feel that I let myself down, I let God source power and my dreams down. That all, that feeling, that regret is the most painful damn thing I've ever felt in my life.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think about that literally every single day. And and it drives me in ways in which I think you'll you'll appreciate people will be like, You're a workaholic. I'm like, no, I'm not. Not even close. I just yeah. know what I want and I, I don't want to settle and I want to build this life of impact because ultimately my goal and Think Unbroken's goal is to end generational trauma in my lifetime through mm-hmm. education and information so that kids don't have stories like ours, yeah. right? Because you look at the the impact of the chaos of our past and how it can, like completely cripple people and i've been there and then looking at it and going wow there's so much to overcome here mentally emotionally physically spiritually sexually financially all the ways that you have to rebuild yourself and i'm like well shit if we can mitigate that fucking risk and i can make myself obsolete then that's a huge win one of the things you said i want to come back to because i think it's important and it might get lost in this and so i want to rewind a moment You talked about the importance of showing people that they can be financially successful. Yeah. Why does that matter?
2: A lot of people are sit there and say money doesn't make you happy. A lot of people will say money is not everything. And I will say that it doesn't make you happy, but it sure as hell helps. I've been broke and I can guarantee that doesn't make you fucking happy either. I remember. So what happened is I had the brain surgery in 2015. And then they were, I was booked for a second brain surgery where they were going to cauterize or remove the back part of my brain. And as a last, last ditch effort, I found a gentleman at one of the top hospitals in the United States that figured out, and one of the top neurosurgeons, they collaborated together, figured out that may not be the right surgery for you and it probably will kill you. So what they did is they did 11 additional surgeries to avoid a second brain surgery. And one of those surgeries included me laying face down as they injected blood and glue into my spinal cord without any pain medication, nothing. And the reason why they did that is because I had to tell them when it got physically unbearable, because if it didn't get physically unbearable, it didn't work and you're high risk for meningitis. And if it got past physically unbearable, you may be paralyzed or potentially die. And I had multiple of those surgeries, some here in Idaho with people that were not as intense or sophisticated in the matter. And I think about four or five, if I remember correctly, it's all kind of a blur at the specialist hospital. And I remember coming back. That took all the money we had. We overdrew every single checking account we had to pay for those. I remember coming back and things were still off. Things were still wrong. And they thought I was leaking spinal fluid, which is the fluid that your brain floats in at C3 in my neck, and they wanted to try to do about two to three more surgeries on me to try to see how much they could fix things. Maybe not up here, maybe lower, because if they operated here, had a very, very high chance of death or paralysis. And I remember booking those procedures because I wanted to try them and canceling them, not because solely I was overwhelmed with all the procedures, even though it was very emotionally exhausting, but because I couldn't afford them. And I don't want anybody to ever have to make that decision for themselves, for a loved one, whatever it may be. If it's your health and your life or the roof over your head, that does not make happiness. Poverty does not make happiness. You cannot change the world if you cannot take care of yourself. And making that decision to solely based on finances really sucked. And a couple years later, and I don't regret this and I don't hate myself for this, but it was just I think it was probably like the next year. Or I don't remember exactly when because it's all a blur. But I had my childhood cat that I loved dearly that was there through me through all my challenges when I was a kid. She was about 14, 15 years old. She got cancer. And it was in a mass and it was a, in a basically an unoperable, unoperable area. However, I dumped literally probably about $10,000 and got myself into so much debt to try to save that cat's life. And the last procedure they could have done for it was about $4,000, and I couldn't do it. I didn't have the opportunity to even try to do it. That decision was made for me because of economics. And I want people to be able to make the decisions that are best for their loved ones and for their life, not based on economics, but based on opportunity. And that is created by financial awareness and financial competence. You cannot sit there and blame money for bullshit Terrible people making bad choices with money. Money is not the evil. People may be really screwed up. I was watching a Jordan Peterson video, and he said, yeah, there are going to be a bunch of oligarchs that are doing cocaine and doing nothing but terrible crap with their money, but they're going to die quickly anyways. But the people that are creating greatness with it, maybe they should have more so they can create more greatness. Money is not the problem. And once people make that separation and understand that, that's when they can better solve their own problems and make decisions that are best for their lives.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, shit, this is heavy. Right. And I'm sitting here like thinking to myself, I've had, you know, just earlier at the beginning of this year, I had surgery and I was like, thank God I've put myself in a position to be financially aware enough to be prepared for that moment. And, and looking at that and coming from, you know, completely in debt, almost $50,000 car repos, homelessness, you know, not being able to pay. There was one point in my mid twenties where I had to borrow money from my girlfriend to pay the rent for the apartment we lived in together. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like I know that feeling. I know that place. And, and what I'm curious about is if you had the similar experience as me, where what I had to do was realize like I had this massive money trauma and what I had to do was educate myself and become literate on money and go through that pacing of learning about investing in myself first and yeah. then building out the rest of the wealth that not only I have now, but I will hopefully have in the future. Well, yeah. what has that process been like for you?
2: That's been a very long process coming from poverty and then also just coming from the mindset that sometimes society puts on you. A lot of times people that don't understand money will demonize it and there's a lot of peer pressure there's a lot of pressure against wealth beating and building and I mean there there is like I said really screwed up people economically but for me that process just came up to hey, People may be screwed up with the economics that they're doing, and there may be very terrible people. Like, And I say this very boldly, very transparently, and hopefully one day that he sees it. I am a big hater in some sense. Well, maybe not a hater. I am not a big fan of Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not a fan of that guy. One of my goals is to get big enough that I could tell him to his face that I think he's done terrible crap with his money. He hasn't benefited the world, and I don't think he's came up with one original idea. Like, there are people that are like that, for sure. However, that's not the majority of them. And sitting there and just hating on the entire economic system is not going to solve anything. You have to realize, okay, money's not the problem. People can be the problem. What are you going to do about it? Don't surround yourself with that people. Be a different person. Create something great with it. Like You get to decide, same thing with the adversities, what this means. What does this mean? And I've made that decision in which all of that stuff meant that I could not have money without being a hypocrite. And that is the wrong answer for what it means. We get to decide what we're going to do. However, you cannot fix something if you are in a sinking ship. So it took a really long process. And I mean... I'll quote Grant Cardone again because I'm a big fan of his. I remember the first time that I listened to him because I was on uh, one of the habits I did when I was rebuilding my life. I did a habit a week for two years. That's how I rebuilt everything is I was just like, okay, I can't fix everything overnight because I'm blacking out. I'm going to fix one thing and i focus on it. And then the next week, I'm going to add another thing. Habit by habit, incremental changes to build a new version of myself. And one of the habits I had was I was not watching the news. And I would only listen to positive, motivational stuff. No music, just positive, motivational videos. And one came on in Grant Cardone. And at this time, I was—I just lost the house. It's probably about a year after we lost the house, or maybe about six months. And we moved into an apartment. I had to get a lounge chair in the bottom, or a sleeper chair that turned into basically a mattress, like a futon, because I didn't know if I'd be able to physically make it up the stairs to go to bed. That's how, that's how challenged I was still physically. And I remember I was still making my own freaking pickles. I was making my own everything. I was cutting nothing but coupons and I was all in scarcity mode, all in budget mode. That was my approach to finances. And then I started listening to some of Grant Cardone's advice where he started talking about, okay, financial freedom. You need to make money. You can't just save yourself into financial freedom. You need to be able to understand money is a gift. It is a tool for you to change the world. You can't fix anything when you're broke. And that was when i started conquering and challenging my belief system on money and like you said earlier writing down the thoughts that you think and auditing them to see if they're true and if they create the intentionality that you want them to mm, I,
0: I love that i i had tim's story on recently and tim said you know money is your friend mm-hmm. money is your friend and we grow up Actually, I'm really happy we've gone this direction, this conversation, because I I haven't really had this kind of conversation on the show. Money is not evil. Like, Mm -hmm. the bullshit lies that our parents told us growing up, the communities that we lived in, who would spout off this idea, capitalism is the worst. Like, no, that is, like, that is the society we live in. That's, like playing Jenga and being like, you know, you can't stack the pieces on top of each other. Like mm-hmm. this is the rules. Like this is the game that we are playing. And mm-hmm. and I want people to become more financially literate. I mean, obviously Grant is a great resource for that. And and so are amazing other people as well. And I, I think the greatest thing that I've discovered over the years is the power of recognizing the truth that if you invest in yourself, you will gain confidence over time to be yeah. able to be like, I know my value in the world. People no. are so scared about this idea that they can have abundance and wealth that they cripple themselves before they even get to the starting line. You've already you've already decided. You've already said, hey, I can't. And no. that, to me, is the most fucking dangerous thing about financial freedom. And look, mm-hmm. I'll be clear. I'm not a billionaire yet. I want to be like, it's a huge part of my mission and the goal of this company. I want to build this brand. And I say this aloud, I want to build this into a $25 million a year company in the next 10 years, Why? because I recognize like a $50 donation is amazing, but let's keep it real in this world with this inflation and the cost of goods, $50 doesn't do shit anymore. And so how does think unbroken be able to donate $50 million? Yeah right and and i want to i want people to hear this and not like you and i we're not in this place where we're like we're these greedy like give me all the money Scrooge McDuck fucking people you wouldn't you wouldn't be on my show if you were that way right yeah. But but we're people trying to look at and make meaning of the world who've been through the depths. Like, it is way better to have security in your finances than to be impoverished and say, fuck the people who have money. And I used to be that guy. Like, I want to lay this out because I'm very curious where we go with the last few minutes here. I used to be the guy, and I'd be like, fuck rich people Mm -hmm. while working for a Fortune 10 company. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the irony in it and, and coming to this place in life, where are realizing like the, the truth is you must be willing to ask for what you're worth. Yep. But I think people, let, let me, let me rephrase this. I want to ask you this question a different way. How do you get to the place of knowing your worth financially?
2: That's a tough question, man. Oh, damn. So I would say when it comes to finances and knowing your worth, you have to figure out how to disassociate from any shame that you have in your life and also audit the self-belief system that you have, what you've been through and what you're saying to yourself. And then the economics will fall into play. Um, And I would also say that you have to be in the right vehicle that helps you with supporting your worth. You cannot sit there and beg for a vehicle, whether that's a nine to five job where they just pay minimum wage and you work super hard and they just give you extra shit and there's no opportunity to move up. Or maybe it's in the wrong vehicle in regards to the profession that you're trying to chase, whatever it may be. But once you have that realization and once you know what you stand for, once you know what your mission is, it's a hell of a lot easier to start asking for your work. And that's something that sometimes I still struggle with here and there because I want everyone to be happy and I want to help everybody. The last thing that I will say is you not knowing your worth often does not help somebody find theirs and chase theirs. So what I mean by that is when it comes to coaching, for instance, is that's one of my you know three businesses. When it comes to coaching, me sitting there and giving them the, the course for free, that doesn't help them. Because they don't have any skin in the name. They didn't invest anything. They didn't have to go and get the money to do that work and invest in themselves and know their worth. So a lot of the times it comes down to understanding that trying to help everybody for free doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve them. And that by you honoring your worth, you help other people honor their own and transform their lives. So a lot of the times it turns down to saying no. It's, hey, this is my pricing so that they invest in themselves enough to transform their own lives.
0: Yeah. And and I think on the flip of that too, it's investing in yourself that mm-hmm. will change yeah. your life. You know, I yeah. remember my first coach, I sold everything in my house to get no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you yeah. have to ask yourself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? Yeah. And, and if the answer is anything less than no excuses, just results, you're not yeah. going to get it. And, mm-hmm. and my fear for people is that they're going to settle and die with regrets. And I hope that they will go and listen to this episode 5,000 fucking times until it's buried in their brain. Um, but we can only just hope. Listen, my friend, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you?
2: Sure thing. You guys can follow me on uh, MJ Vogel inspire. is in Mary J is in Jack and then Vogel inspire. That'll help you guys not have to spell my first name. Cause it's spelled weirdly. Um, and you guys can find me on every social media platform. You can check out my book on Amazon and my courses and all of that stuff there. But I just really want to see people transforming their own lives and us creating a trickle down effect with the impact and our legacy and changing humanity by transforming our own lives in our community. So DM me. I'd love to support you guys. However, I can
0: love it. And of course we'll put the links in the show notes for the unbroken nation. MJ, my friend, my last question for you, what does it mean to you to be unbroken?
2: In my mind, when it comes to being unbroken, that is an understanding that all of us are broken in some step, some way, some fashion, something has hurt us, something has cracked us, but we're going to make a conscious decision to grab those pieces, and build them and build ourselves in a way that makes something beautiful out of them. That makes it so society can't break you. That makes it so adversities can't break you. That means that you can't break you when you build you consciously embracing the things that may have shattered you temporarily and building something great with them. In my mind, that makes it so you're unbroken.
0: Beautifully said, my friend. Thank you very much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think